Thank you for listening in to this podcast from Valley View Church. The deception of depression. We've all had our times of ups and downs in our life. Every person who has ever lived has ever been in those moments. We are all subject to the emotional swings of humanity and what life deals and many times what life may bring our way. Even as this earth that we live upon goes through its changing seasons, we as individuals as well, we go through changing seasons of life. We love the springtime when everything's blooming and everything's budding. And then all of a sudden, like now, the autumn comes and things stop budding. They stop blooming. And it looks as if in a way that things begin to die away. But in reality, they're not dying away. It's just part of the process. But I want to say in this room, there's maybe many of you in this house today are going through a springtime in your life, even as I speak. Everything's going good for you. You feel like you are on top of the world, and everything seems good in your life. But then on the other side, there may be those in this room who are going through the valley this morning. You are suffering. Things are not like you wish they were. Everything's not rosy in your life. Everything's not wonderful in your life. But I want to assure you of something this morning. It will change in your life. You may be in the valley right now, but it's going to change. You may be on the mountain right now, but there'll come a time it'll change. It's just a part of the process. But I want you to understand, things will not always remain exactly like they are. There are certain times in life it would be wonderful. It seems if things would remain like they are. And then there's other times in life we can't wait for them to change. But I want you to understand, things will not always remain the same. I heard a story I wanted to share with you this morning about two kings who went to war. And as they battled and the war raged on, in which out of nature, one of the kings became victorious. And he conquers the other king, and he takes the conquered king, and he places him in his chariot. He chains him to the chariot wall, and he begins to a, a, a trip back to his palace, if you will. And he's taking him there because he wants to make a spectacle out of him. He wants to humiliate him. He wants to make people see and make him become a servant unto him. And I want you to notice the defeated king is riding along and, and naturally he's feeling depressed. He's feeling disappointed. He's feeling down and out. Then all of a sudden he begins to laugh and he begins to smile and everything about his countenance begins to change and, and the king who has conquered he begins to be he becomes confused because he's laughing and because he's smiling and everything seems wonderful. So he asked him, he said, What are you smiling about? What are you laughing about? What is so funny to you? The conquered king looked over at the victorious king and he said this. He said, it's that wheel on the side of this chariot that makes me laugh. He said, as I watched that wheel on the side of this chariot, it made me smile. It made a smile come upon my face. 
He said, what do you mean it made you smile? How could a chariot wheel make you laugh? He said, well, he said, I just noticed as I watched that wheel. He said, that which is on the top will soon be on the bottom. And that which is on the bottom will soon be on the top. And he said, when I came to that recollection, he said, it brought joy to my heart. It brought a smile to my face. And I want to stop and tell somebody in this room, this morning. You may be on the bottom right now, but just hang on because the chariot wheel is still turning. And what is on the bottom will one day be on the top. But I will tell you this, you may be on the top right now, but the time may come that you're back on the bottom. But just remember, the top don't last forever and the bottom don't last forever. It's a part of the process in life. But let me tell you, enjoy the top and when you're on the bottom enjoy the fact that God is with you wherever you are. Life sometimes goes in circles. Amen. If you're on the mountain, rejoice, shout, enjoy those times, enjoy that place while you are there. Why? Because you never know when adverse weather is coming. If you are on the or you're in the valley or you feel like you're on the bottom, I will remind you that God is still God. And the God that was on the mountain with you is the same God that's walking with you in the midst of your valley. The same God that was with you in the times of joy is the same God that will be with you in the times of sadness in your life. I want to go back to James chapter 5, verse 17 again. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. But the New King James said, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. You know what that meant? That meant that Elijah had his ups and his downs just like we do. He went through his moments just like we do. We read about the heroes of the Word of God, and we see them as somebody who's continually uh, doing great and doing wonderful, and everything's always all right as we read. That's the way we perceive them. But I want you to understand, he went through ups and downs just like you do. Amen? He got, well... He got up in the morning. He put his clothes on just like we do. He planted his feet on the ground just like we do. He walked through life just like we do. He had his moments. And I want you to understand, when Elijah, he was a nobody. But when God found him, he became a somebody. And he became a mighty man of God. But I want us to look for a little bit this morning about this. How a man who is so courageous, as we read about in Scripture, how a man that is bold as a lion, as fearless as a serpent, could get so low that he would crawl up under a juniper tree. You remember in the passage we read earlier, it talked about he found himself up under a juniper tree. Well, I did a little bit of study about juniper trees. Now, there's some that may grow a little taller, but most of the juniper trees you see or you find, they're lower to the ground. So, therefore, if you go up under one, you have to get really low to get where they are. 
But here's a man of God who's been bold. Here's a man of God who's been fearless. Here's a man of God who's been powerful. But all of a sudden in his life, he gets low enough to get up under a juniper tree, and he begins to feel sorry for himself. I want us to look at how a man like this could get there. You go back to the passage. The Bible tells us earlier in this same passage of Scripture, you can go back to chapter 18. You read verse or chapter 19. You read chapter 20, and you can get the fullness of the story. But he was instructed by God to go to Ahab's palace and deliver a message unto Ahab. He said to Ahab with the voice of authority and with the voice of power, he said, it is not going to rain until I say it is going to rain. In other words, he told Ahab, I will tell you when rain is going to come. Now, I just got to tell you this. Isn't it awesome to be able to have that kind of authority and that kind of power with God that you can speak with boldness and you can speak with authority and say, this is the word of God. This is the will of God. Can I tell you the same way God used Elijah to speak with authority. God can use you and me to speak with authority. Amen. Then God instructs him to go down to the brook Cherith. The ravens are going to feed you there. He goes down, and man, he's having a time of his life. He's being fed by ravens. He's sitting on the brookside. He's enjoying himself. I heard one preacher say it like this. He said he was fishing. I can't prove he was fishing. That preacher said, you put a fishing pole in or you put a preacher by a brook, he's going to fish. I don't know all of what he was doing there, but I do know what the Bible said. The Bible said he ate well and he drank well. He was fed by the ravens. He, was, he gave water by the brook. Twice a day was he fed with bread and meat. Then the Bible said the brook dried up. And I want to tell somebody in your life right now, you may be at a time when it seems like your brook has dried up. It may seem like a time when your brook has gone dry. But I want to remind you that when the brook dries up, you don't have to worry. God has something even better in your life. God has something even better planned for you. For God said to Elijah, he said, I want you to go to Zarephath. And he met a widow woman there who was preparing to make a final cake of bread for her and her son. She was going to take the last bit of oil. She was going to take the last bit of meal. And she was going to prepare a cake. And her and her son were going to eat it and die. Elijah comes upon the scene and he looks at this woman and he said, No, don't make that cake for you. You make that cake for me. You take that oil, you take that meal, and you make a little cake for me. Then after you've made that little cake for me, then you make one for your son. For God has said, your meal barrel will not run out, your oil will not run dry until God send rain upon the earth. So here's a woman who's getting ready to die, and then all of a sudden God comes on the scene. You see, her brook had dried up. But God showed up. God showed up in the form of a man. And I want to tell you, your, your brook may seem like it's dried up right now, but God is getting ready to show up in the midst of where you are. Then there comes a day when God said, go show yourself to Ahab. And we're talking about in the life of Elijah here. Listen. 
Go show yourself again to Ahab. But this time, I want you to take a challenge. This time, I want you to bring him to a challenge. So Elijah goes to Ahab and he said this. He said, I believe Jehovah to be God. He said, you believe Baal to be God. He said, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to get the prophets of Baal. I want you to get the prophets of the Grove. I want you to get all these prophets together, and I want you to come and meet me at Mount Carmel, and there we're going to find out who God really is. There we're going to find out which God is the real God. We're going to build an altar. We're going to pray. And the God that answers by fire, he will be God. And the Bible said Ahab accepted the agreement. Or he accepted the arrangement, if you will. But notice, Elijah promised Ahab, if Baal answers by fire, I will serve Baal. And Ahab says unto Elijah, if Jehovah answers by fire, I will serve Jehovah. But you know the rest of the story. The prophets of the Baal prayed, or uh, the prophets of Baal prayed, and nothing happened. Elijah had them prepare the altar. He poured, they poured 12 barrels of water upon the altar. And Elijah begins to pray a 63-word prayer. And the Bible said that the fire fell upon the altar. It didn't just consume the sacrifice. It consumed the wood. It licked the water out of the trenches, the dust, and everything. God answered by fire, but he did it in a great way. And then Scripture goes on to bear out that Elijah went on and he prays again and God sends rain upon the earth. Then he learns an important lesson, and I want everybody in his house to hear me. He stands in the gap. God answers by fire. God makes the way. Promises have been made. If Baal wins, I'll serve Baal, Elijah says. If Jehovah wins, Ahab says, I'll serve Jehovah. But when the victory came and the joyous time for Elijah was, he come to understand an important lesson. The devil never keeps his end of the bargain. And I want to say in this room to every person, Satan never keeps his end of the bargain. <clears throat> And you can rest assured in the fact he may tell you something, but do not look for him to fulfill what he says. Elijah slew the prophets of Baal because of their agreement. He is riding high, all is well, victory has come. But I want you to notice when he slew, when he slew the prophets of Baal, he's enjoying victory, everything's going wonderful. Then all of a sudden, he receives a message from Jezebel. You be reminded that Jezebel was the, the wife of Ahab, and she was upset in the fact that Jehovah had won. She was upset in the fact that Elijah had killed these prophets. She was upset at the fact that this victory had come, and she sends word unto Elijah, and she said this, I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow. Within 24 hours, I'm going to take your life. And here's what I want everybody in this room to hear. In his eyes, everything changed at that moment. 
Victory had come. Here's a fearless man. Here's a powerful man. Here's a bold man. But with the words of one woman, when she says, after he just saw the victory of God, she says, I'm going to kill you. By this time tomorrow, everything changed in his life. I want everyone in this room to listen to me right here. It doesn't take long sometimes to have the props knocked out from under you. It doesn't, it doesn't take long for everything in your life to change sometime. Just one phone call, one trip to the doctor, and all of a sudden we find ourselves running for our lives trying to survive. One phone call can change everything. But I want you to notice such, a, such was a man of Elijah. He is now running for his life. He went from walking in victory to running in fear. It's amazing to me by one message that he receives, he goes from walking by faith and in faith with God to running in fear. He's running because he's disappointed. He's running because he's discouraged. He's running because he is depressed. Somebody said, tell me how in the world can you go from being elated to depressed just like that? How in the world can you go from being elated to depressed in a split or, or in a moment? I want to tell you something. Re let me, let me re back up here and re rewind for a second, remind everybody in this room. Do this right here. Pinch yourself. You're flesh. You're human. And that's how you can go from that one place to the other in a moment. That's how you can go from being elated to being fearful in a moment because you're flesh. And such was Elijah. But I want to say you and I want to speak to everyone in this house. You may be running this morning. You may feel like you are trying to survive. Why? Because you've been grossly disappointed. Because promises have been broken in your life. Things have happened in your life. You're discouraged and you're terribly depressed. I'm talking to somebody. And I'm going to be real with you. I'm not just talking to one. I'm talking to some people in this room. And I know this message will go out beyond these walls, and it will reach out in other ways. But listen to me. I'm talking to some people. You're discouraged. You're terribly depressed. But here's what I want you to hear. The deception of depression has gripped your life. Can I tell you it's easy to be deceived when you're in the valley? Amen? It's easy to be deceived when you're down and out. When you're on the mountain, you're not afraid of no man. You're not afraid of no devil. But when you're in the valley, it's easy to hear the other voices around you. It's easy to hear what others have to say. Elijah feared neither man nor devil. He believed that God would send fire at Carmel. He did great exploits for God. But now he is suffering from the deception of depression. It's got him down and it's got him out. I came by to tell somebody, when you are down, when you are low in spirit, be careful what voices you listen to. When you are down and you are depressed, you better be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you let speak into your life. You ought to be careful of that anytime. 
But especially when you're depressed, especially when you're down and out, especially when you're in the lowest place of your life, be careful who you allow to speak into you. Be careful of what voices you listen to. There are three deceptions that came to Elijah. And I want to talk about it for a few moments this morning. There were three deceptions that came when he was down, when he was running for his life, when he was running from Jezebel. And I want you to hear very closely because I feel that there's people in this room who are going to relate. I could relate. The first deception was this. He was disappointed. He was disappointed. And can I tell you when the deception of depression gets a hold of you, it can make you disappointed. Amen? He was suffering from a broken spirit or broken promise. He, the promise was broken at Mount Carmel. The deception of depression caused him to believe that a promise broken by Ahab, listen to this, was a promise broken by God. Want everybody in this house listen very closely. The deception of depression made him believe that a promise broken by Ahab was a promise broken by God. He is running for his life because a promise was broken. You can hear him saying, God, you let me down. God, you broke my promise. Or you broke your promise. Somebody said, how in the world could he say that? Because here one moment he's in victory. The next moment he's in defeat, it seems, and fear has taken place. And when I want to tell you something, when you get in the place of depression and you get in the place of these things, all kind of weird things can go through your mind. All kind of thoughts that would normally pass through, that would not normally pass through, will pass through your mind at that moment. He would have never believed this in a million years that God would have let him down if he had not gotten so low in his spirit. He knew God had never failed him, and he knew God would never fail him. He knew God would never let him down. He knew in his mind that it was Ahab that had broke that promise. But the deception of depression had him believing that God has let him down. It had him believing that God had failed him. Will somebody hear me this morning? Someone in this house, the deception of depression has got you believing God has let you down. The deception of depression has got you believing God has failed you in some way in your life. I came by to tell you this morning, it was not God that let you down. It was not God that broke that promise in your life. It was some Ahab that broke that promise in your life. It was some man or some woman. It was somebody who broke that promise, but God did not break that promise. Listen to me. There are parents who have invited their children who are lost to come to church. There are parents who have got children that are wayward and they've tried to get them to come to the house of the Lord and their children have promised them that they would come. But then time goes by and they never show up. They never come. They never come to the house of God. And the deception of depression comes on you and tells you that God has let you down because your children didn't show up. Listen. Because your child did not show up at church, you feel like God has let you down. But I came by to tell somebody, it was not God that broke that promise in your life. It was your child that broke that promise. 
Are you listening to what I'm telling you? It may not just be your child I'm talking about. It may be your companion. It, they, maybe they promised you they'd come to church and they haven't shown up and you feel like God has failed you because they didn't show up. I will remind you again. It was not God that broke that promise. It was your companion that broke that promise. But then there may be other things. It could be your banker. It could be your boss. It could be a friend that broke a promise in your life. But I just want you to know and understand it was not God that broke the promise. This is important. You may be mad with God this morning because somebody failed you. Somebody let you down. They didn't do what they said they would do. And you feel like you felt like they would always be there. And now they're not. And you're mad with God because they didn't do what they said they would do. But I want to tell you, God did not fail you. They failed you. Sometimes we want to blame God for things that people do. We want to blame God for things that we do. We want to blame God for things that God has nothing to do with. I want you to understand something, and I want you to get it this morning. God has never failed you, and he has never forsaken you, and God will never fail you, and he will never forsake you. Somebody needs to hear me out this morning. Some of us may need to repent for blaming God for broken promises. Amen? Some of us may need to repent for blaming God for broken promises. When it was not God at all, it was Ahab that broke the promise. And all I can do is this. I can't answer for anybody else, but I'll stop right here and say, God, Forgive me. God, forgive us for any time that I myself or we have ever blamed you for breaking a promise that you never broke. Forgive us, God, for blaming you for things that you did not do. Forgive us, God. The deception of depression will do many things. The deception of depression will cause you to believe things that are not real. The deception of depression will cause you to do things you would not normally do. But I want to remind you of something when it concerns God. Remember this, God has not, does not, will not ever break a promise to you. Amen? He has not and will not ever break a promise in your life. The second deception of depression is this. You want to be alone. The first deception was you're disappointed. The second one, you want to be alone. But let's go back to 1 Kings 19.1. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his Servant there. That last part's important. The deception of depression was telling Elijah, I don't want to be with nobody. I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want to see nobody. You ever been there? The deception of depression had him believing he didn't need anybody in that moment in his life. So he told his servant, stay here. I'm going on by myself. 
The devil will deceive you into believing at times in your life when you need your brother, your sister, your church the most that you don't need anybody. The devil will make you believe at times in your life when you really need somebody next to you, you really need somebody to connect with you. He'll make you believe you don't need anybody in your life. And I want to tell you something, and I want you to hear it very well. When you are down, that's when you need somebody to pray. When you are down, that's when you need somebody to talk to. When you are down, that's when you need somebody to hold on to God. You need somebody to get real for you. You need somebody to touch God for you when you cannot touch God for yourself. Amen. It is the deception of depression that will make you believe you don't need anybody. But I want you to listen to me. You were not meant to walk alone. You were not meant to walk alone. You are more apt to do harm to yourself when you shut the door and you lock everybody else out of your life. Amen. You're more apt to do harm to yourself when you close everybody out of your life. And it's important that you understand you may be suffering from the deception of depression this morning. You may be blaming God for breaking a promise when in reality it was an Ahab. You may have left your best friend behind because you've been hurt. Not because they hurt you, but you've been hurt and you just want everybody to leave you alone. I don't want any kind of response this morning, but I want to ask you, are you there? Then I want to ask you, have you ever been there? I've been there. I've been there when I didn't want to talk to nobody, didn't want to be around nobody. I've been in those moments. We've all been there. The devil has caused you to close the door and lock yourself in. He's caused you to seclude yourself. But you better hear this, Pastor, this morning. I need to tell you that when you are running, you need somebody. When you are hurting, you need somebody. When you are down, you need somebody. When you are suffering, you need somebody. When you are broken, you need somebody. When you are depressed, you need somebody. That's when you need somebody in your life. Don't let the deception of depression close you in. The third deception I want to point out to you this morning is this. I wish I was dead. You ever made that statement? You ever heard that statement? Number one, oh, God help us. I wish I was dead, 1 Kings 19, 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and sat down under a broom tree or a juniper tree, and he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Depression is still deceiving Elijah. Listen, it's important. When he says to God, I wish I was dead. Depression is still deceiving. It's still gripping upon his heart. And he's fooled into believing that he wants to die. I don't know. I don't anymore believe that he really wanted to die than anything. Why? I'll tell you why. It was the deception of depression that had a hold of him. I said it earlier and I'll say it again. When the deception of depression gets a hold of your life, it will cause you to think things you wouldn't normally think. It'll cause you to believe things you wouldn't normally believe. And it'll cause you to do things you would not normally do. 
But hear this. You know how I know he didn't really wish to die? You, how, you know how I know he didn't really wish to be dead? I'll tell you why. Because Jezebel was more than will, willing to kill him. She was more than willing to take him out. If he really wanted to die, he should have stayed in Jezreel, and Jezebel would have made sure it was done. But the Bible said he was on the run. That's how you know he did not want to die. Sometimes we make statements we don't mean. Sometimes we say things we really are sincerely not meaning, but we say them before we think about them. And I want you to understand, if he had wanted to die, it could have happened. But the deception of depression had him believing something he really did not want. How many times in your life have there been voices that have made you think or made you believe that you wished you were dead? How many times in your life have there been voices that made you say, why don't you just take your life, end it, get it over with? How many times have there been voices that said, I wish I was dead. I want you to hear this preacher this morning. That is a lie from hell. That is a lie from hell. The devil wants you to believe that you want to die. The devil wants you to believe that you want it over. But that is a lie from hell. Listen to me. You've said it. You've thought it. You've contemplated it. And you want to know the reality of it? I dare say there's not a person in this room who has not been there at some point in their life. You've said it. you thought it. You contemplated it. You even may have gotten yourself at some point to believe it. But I want you to know it was the deception of depression. You don't want to be dead. You don't want to die. Somebody said, well, Pastor, how do you know I don't want to die? How do you know I don't want to be dead? I'll tell you why. You took your blood pressure pill this morning. You took your Plavix this morning. You took your cholesterol medicine this morning. Amen? So if you wanted to die, you'd have just put those things aside and let nature take its course. But what I want you to understand, you got up this morning. You prepared yourself to meet the day. You prepared yourself for the fullness of the day. Why? Because you don't want to die. You want to live. You want to enjoy life. You want to live it up. You want to have the best. Elijah didn't want to die. You don't want to die. It's just the deception of depression. But let's go back for a moment, if you will. Elijah's sitting under a juniper tree. He's believing God had broken a promise when it was really Ahab. He's believing it was better to be alone when he needed his brother more than he ever needed him in his life. He's saying he wished he was dead because he knows that Jezebel wants him dead. But as he's there, the Bible said he fell asleep. Listen to this. He fell asleep under that juniper tree. And all of a sudden, while he's sleeping, while he's resting there, he feels a tap on his shoulder. All of a sudden, while he's there, he feels something nudging him. He feels something shaking him. Wake up! Wake up! Arise! Get up! Eat. The Bible said God sent an angel to that juniper tree. He, he was visited by an angel of God who was there to bring victory back to his life in his moment of depression. And listen, the man who was suffering from the, from the deception of depression is now being given the message, get up, get up and eat. Listen to me. 
The deception of depression may have caused you to get low enough where you've crawled up under a juniper tree in your life where you've gotten so low that you had to crawl up under your own juniper tree. You you felt depressed. You felt desperate. You felt like you just couldn't get out of where you are. And when you got into that place, you began to doubt God. You began to blame God. But I need to tell you, God loves you enough that when you get low enough to get under the juniper tree, God loves you enough to get low enough with you to come under that tree where you are and get in that place where you are. God's not so high and lofty, even though we know he's a great God and he is those things, but he's not so high and lofty that he will not come in to the low place of your life and come into where you are and crawl in whatever hole you're in or get under whatever tree you're under. You know why? Because God loves you enough to come to where you are. I remember an old song we used to sing that when I couldn't come to where he was, He came to me. When I couldn't get where he was... He came to me. I don't care how low you are. Jesus loves you. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Amen. You remember that song, don't you? He loves you enough to come where you are. I want somebody to know. He's come to get up under your juniper tree with you this morning. He's come to get in your low place with you this morning. Elijah was not praying for him to come, but the Bible said he came anyway. I'll tell you something, when Elijah was on that juniper tree, he wasn't praying for God to come where he was. He was praying to die. He wanted it over. He wasn't praying for God to come where he was and bring him out. He wasn't praying for God to come lift him up. I want to die, he said. This is important. He didn't ask him to come up under that tree and bring victory. He didn't ask him to come for that tree and bring him out. But the Bible said he came anyway. I came by to tell somebody in this room that Jesus loves you, that God loves you so much. The deception of depression will tell you that not even God loves you. But I want to tell you, he must love you because you're still breathing. He must love you because you're still alive and well. You must love you because your heart's still beating. He must love you because you are still here. Let's go back to 1 Kings 19, 5 and 6. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree or juniper tree, remember, he was asleep. The angel woke him up. Get up, eat. But he went back to sleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. So you remember the first time he got up? He ate and he drank, but then he lays back down. The angel told Elijah, get up, eat. The meal was there. The water was there. Everything was provided. But after he ate, he felt refreshed. Listen, he laid back down again. What does that have to do with me, Pastor? Listen. In 1 Kings 19 and 7, and the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat. I want to talk to somebody in this room right now, and I want the attention of everybody in this house very quickly. Listen to me. Maybe you're here this morning, and at some point, God had come by, and he brought you out from under your juniper tree. Maybe at some point in your life, God brought you out of the low place. God brought you out of a place of desperation. But for some reason, you have gone back to where you were. 
God brought you out from under your juniper tree, but you've gone back up under your tree. He brought you out of a low place, but you've gone back to your low place. Such was Elijah. He woke him up. He ate. He went back to sleep again. I want somebody to hear me this morning. I came by to tell you God visited you once. He will come back to you again. He visited you once in your low place. He will come back to you again. He visited you under your juniper tree once. He will come back to you again. He came back to Elijah. And I want to tell somebody in this room, God does not give up on us just because we have a relapse. God does not give up on us just because we go back up under the juniper tree. God doesn't give up on us just because we may go back. God does not give up on us just because we fail. Worship team, if you will come, get ready. God does not give up on us just because we go back. Somebody's got to hear me this morning. Don't let the devil beat you up because you let God do something special for you on Sunday. And rejoice on Sunday. Then on Monday, you went and climbed back up under your juniper tree. Don't you let the devil beat you up because you got something from good from God on Sunday. And on Monday, you went back to that place. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? We're human. We make mistakes. We are not perfect. We fail sometimes. We let down some. It's not what we choose to do. It's not what we want to do. I, I, I just don't really choose to believe that people would want to go back under the juniper tree when God brings them out in victory. But when you go through difficult moments in your life, sometimes that's all people know how to do is go back to that juniper tree because they don't know how else to deal with it. I want to tell you this morning, God loves you. I want to tell you this morning, God loves you. Maybe you're here this morning and you've let, you've let yourself get down. You, you've been deceived by, depre- deceived by depression. You believe that God has broken a promise in your life. You believe that nobody loves you. You have even believed at some point in time you wish you were dead. But God sent me by to tell you He wants to bring you out from where you are. But it's not just about the want of God. He will bring you out from where you are. But can I tell you this before I close this message this morning? I want everybody in this house to hear me. I have been there. I have been under that juniper tree. I myself have been in that low place. I have been in that place where I've been deceived by depression. I've been in that place when I thought I wanted to die. I've been in that place when I, for a moment, felt like there was no way out. I've been in that place when, for a moment, I felt like there was no hope. I've been there. I've walked it. I lived it. You've walked it. You've lived it. You've been there. And I'm going to tell you what I had to do. 
And sometimes I still have to do. I had to pray through and come out from under my juniper tree. I had to pray through. I had to pray until I prayed through. I had to pray until the chains were broken. I had to pray until the heaviness was lifted off. I had to pray until victory came. I had to pray until breakthrough happened. And I came by to tell somebody in this room this morning, somebody is coming out from under your juniper tree this morning. Somebody is coming out of your low place this morning. I want you to stand to your feet with me all across this room. I want you to hear me very well. You may feel like you're as low as you can get. You may feel like you can't get any lower. But I want to tell you, you're not too low for God. You may say, Pastor, I can't go down anymore. Well, I got news for you. God can go down further than you are. What do you mean? He can go down low enough to get down where you can't go down anymore and get underneath you and lift you out of where you are. You may be low this morning, but you are not lower than where God can reach you. You are not lower than where God can come to your rescue. I'm talking to somebody. The hand of Jesus is here through the power of the Holy Ghost reaching out to each and every person in this room this morning to release, to break free, to open prison doors, to unlock, to work miracles, to answer prayer. But this is what you got to get. It's time for you to get up, and it's time for you to eat. The angel of the Lord told Elijah, get up, arise, eat, for the journey's great. Arise, get up, eat. I want to say this to you. You need to arise. You need to get up and eat. You need to take joy in the Lord. You need to rejoice in the Lord. God is going to help you where you are if you will only get up from where you are and eat and receive what God has for you. I close with this, but it's very important. Listen to me. You're going to sing again. Are you listening to me? Some of you are like a canary that's lost all hope. You, you don't sing anymore. You don't rejoice anymore. You don't praise anymore. You go through the motions. You move your lips, but it don't come from your heart. I'm talking to somebody. You raise your hand, but it don't come from the heart. I'm talking to somebody. You go through the motion, but it don't come from the heart. But God sent me by to tell you, you're going to sing again. And when you open up your mouth and those joyous refrains start rolling off of your lips and they start coming forth from where you are, it's going to bring joy to the Lord, but it's going to bring joy to you. You're going to sing again. You're going to rejoice again. You're going to have joy in the Lord again. You're going to smile again. You're going to be free again. Somebody said to me, Pastor, you've been talking about depression this morning. I'm not depressed. No, you're not. But you're disappointed. And if you don't get past your disappointment, it's going to bring you down to depression and it's going to destroy your life. 
Did you hear what I said? Pastor, I'm not depressed. No, but you're discouraged. And if you don't deal with your discouragement, it's going to bring you down to depression. And it's going to destroy your life. There's people listening to me this morning. You've been disappointed. You said to yourself, I want to be by myself. Some of you may have even said, I want to die. But it's the deception of depression that's got a hold of your life and it's gripped you where you are and it's held you bound. I'm talking to some people in this room. You come to church, you put a smile on your face, you try to act like everything's wonderful, you try to act like everything's great, but in reality, deep down inside of you, can I just be honest and be real with you for a moment? There have been times when I walked behind this pulpit, I painted on a face that made everything look like things was going great, grand, and wonderful in my life, and everything was wonderful with me, and I'd get up here and I'd preach my heart out like everything was wonderful, but I walked to this sacred desk under the power of a depression that had me held down and had me held back and had me held up. I want to tell you something this morning. I had to come against it. I had to fight it in the name of Jesus and victory had to come into my life. What I want you to understand, you can paint a face on. You can make everything look right. You can make everything look okay when in reality it's not okay. You've been disappointed. You wanted to be by yourself. You said I wanted to die. Some of you gotten so low you can't get any lower. I know this is not happy right now, but listen to me. You gotten so low you can't get lower. But Jesus came by this way today through the power of the Holy Ghost to crawl up under your juniper tree with you and to wake you up and to bring you out.